Welcome, screensavers. I'm Michael Gallup. I'm Matt Sturdivant. I'm Tyler Sutkus. Together, we host the Silver Screen Savers podcast, a show about the world of cinema and a celebration of our love of movies. Today, we talk about Bullet Train, the new crazy action David Leach directed, Brad Pitt star and film that was heavily anticipated by us. Quick reminder before we start that, we now have a website. Just go to silverscreensavers.com where you can find written reviews on even more movies than we can fully cover on the show, as well as links to all our socials, episodes, and tea public store. Again, type in silverscreensavers.com. And one more sad bit of news. We like just, just learned of the passing of Olivia Newton-John, the wonderful actress. Most people know her from Greece. She's also a great singer-songwriter. So that was very sad news, and she will be missed. We're going to move on to our weekly watch list. Matt, what have you been watching this week? So besides Prey, which was excellent, definitely check out our bonus episode on that. I started a new TV series called The Bear. It's on Hulu, but it's through FX. And it's about a young chef from the fine dining world who returns to Chicago to run his family's sandwich shop. This show... This show, this show hits hard. It's it's, it's gritty. It's dramatic. It's compelling. It's also an illustration of why I would never want to cook professionally. Like I love like cooking at home as a hobby and making, you know, fun little like Instagrammable food pics and stuff. But that, the professional food world, if this is, I mean, it's probably a dramatization. But if this is anywhere close to, what it's really like. I'd always leave it to the professionals. Um, Mm. The characters are very well written. They're layered. Even the biggest a-hole on the roster is still endearing to a point. They're all flawed, but they have endearing qualities. All those qualities in the writing of the characters is brought together by the acting in this thing, though. You got Jeremy Allen White playing the protagonist, and... Anyone who's a fan of Shameless would recognize him as Lip Gallagher. Um, I really hope now that Shameless is over, he starts getting more roles like this because he he can act. He's he's just really good. At, you got Io Edibiri as Sydney, who is sort of just getting into the professional cooking game, and Jeremy Allen White's character Carmi kind of take takes her under his wing as far as like the management aspect of the restaurant and there's there's plenty more players in, in this but like i said they're all v- very fantastic it's definitely an ensemble cast and one of the f- coolest slash funniest things about the show is it also features maddie matheson who is a famous chef oh cool but he doesn't play a chef in the in the his role in the show he's like a he? sort of like a repairman like a like a contractor type char- character, hmm. so it's funny to see him like such a notable chef in a food and chef based show, not playing a chef. Overall, I um I'm still finishing it up, but from what I've seen so far, I've seen about six out of nine episodes. It's very solid. Definitely recommend it. How does it stand up to your beloved chef, the Jean Favreau movie? Oof, that's tough. I mean, for me, it's kind of apples to oranges, where this one isn't 
it it might be dramatized, but it doesn't romanticize it. The industry where chef is more of like a family, like father son bonding experience. It sort of shows positive more positivity or inflates it with more positivity. All right, sweet. Well, if you're if you're into chef food content, I guess there's the Bear TV show and Chef the movie. Tyler, you said that you had just watched Prey this week. So did I. As Matt mentioned, we have a bonus episode on that. I also watched one other new thing, They Slash Them. This is on Peacock. This is about teens at an LGBTQ plus conversion camp who are antagonized by the adult staff while a mass killer stalks the campgrounds. It was written and directed by John Logan. This is his directorial debut, but here is a list of some, some of the screenplays he has been credited with. Any Given Sunday, Gladiator, The Last Samurai, The Aviator, Sweeney Todd, Rango, Hugo, Skyfall. Those are just some of the things that he has written. This is the first time he's directing a feature-length film, so obviously this guy has got it together. However, this is a good concept gone bad. Gay conversion camp is terrifying in its very existence, so you don't necessarily need to add horror elements to get to the terrifying aspects of it. But using the setting for a slasher movie where people are cruelly punished for their sexuality, it makes sense. It's it's a good seed of an idea, but the execution is just unfortunately not there for this. It can't keep a tone. It's going from there's like a fun camp montage, then it's creepy, then there's a dramatic scene, then there's a musical number to pink, and then it's back to creepy, which is fine. You can combine all those elements. You can mix genres but it just doesn't work here. The tonal shifts are too jarring for any sort of momentum to be built up. There are short glimpses of a good story in the dramatic scenes when the characters are revealing their inner lives, their past histories, also kind of like getting to know one each one each other, each other, and you know, kind of reveling in each other's company. But even some of those are filled with some platitudes and stuff like that. Some great young stars. Theo Germain, Monique Kim, amongst others. The logic of the movie just doesn't make sense, and the slasher elements are not effective at all. It just, it like comes up every once in a while and then just kind of consumes the movie at one point, even though it doesn't make any sense. I have a full review it, full review of it on the site if you want to check that out. All right, we are going to move now to Bullet Train. Bullet Train is about many assassins aboard the same train who fight each other while trying to complete their conflicting assignments. This is directed by David Leach, who kind of unofficially co-directed the first John Wick film. Chad Stahelski was the credited director on that, but Leach was the director of Atomic Blonde, Deadpool 2, Hobbs and Shaw. So he's got a lot of experience in this hyper-violence meets quips in some cases, you know, in inserting that sort of uh, bright, cheery attitude, even though really horrific things are happening. This is written by Zach Olkovitz and based on the book by Kotaro Isaka. Matt, what did you think about Bullet Train? I thought it was pretty funny and action-packed and witty. Um, It was definitely a good popcorn movie. I was thoroughly entertained throughout. Um, Definitely recommend it. I think for a general audience action movie well not not kids but like general 
audience R-rated action movie. Um, another one, which is, I feel like the motif for movies this year for me has been movies that you could really feel the runtime, but I was enjoying myself throughout, so it was fine. Everything Everywhere All at Once was like that. Nope was like that. This one was like that, too. There's really not a lot I could complain about with it. I thought it was you know, pretty solid throughout the cast. Even cast members and actors in smaller roles, which we can get into who who lasts the longest as far as actors are concerned in this movie when we get to plot. But um, overall, yeah, I, I liked it a lot, and I would recommend it. I think most people would probably like this, too. Tyler. So this is a movie I liked probably two-thirds of. I really liked the first um, two, two-thirds of it, as I just said. Did you like two-thirds of it? I did. Uh, oh. how'd, you, how'd you get that? But um, I just, for, for a while, I enjoyed it. I, I really thought it was funny. I did think there was a, a little too much goofiness at points where it really just kind of shifted the tone too much. It shouldn't have. Uh, you could tell it was by the guy who did a Deadpool movie, but... I think that works more in a Deadpool setting than this, because it's more grounded. So, like, you just get this horrific violence with the comedy. Sometimes it works, sometimes it didn't. And then all of a sudden, you just get into the third act, and just it, it just runs out of anything. Like, I just got so bored, and I'm just like, this needs to be over. Like, I, it's so many, like, exposition jump, dumps and everything, and a, a new antagonist introduced, and I'm just like... Okay, I like this isn't I, I like this isn't at all what I came here for. So like I just was not into it. So so you didn't like the last third, but you like two thirds. You just didn't like that one third in the. Yeah, I believe I might have said that actually. Yeah, you like two thirds yeah. of it. Yes, there's a there's good stuff in this movie. I have to say, I was going into it expecting it to be like a shut your brain off, have fun kind of thing, and I think it's a fun ride for about half of it, maybe like sixty percent of it. So so that's what three fifths. Yep, 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 yep. Some of the. About... <laughs> Some of the action is quite well done. Some of the scenes are exciting, well choreographed. Not all of it, but a good amount of it. The production design is pretty cool. It's a train movie, and it's very appropriately cramped. I liked how they did that with some of the fight scenes. Tyler, as you said, the energy just does not last in this. It it comes and goes. This movie is two hours and six minutes. feels much longer than that. There are some funny moments. It wasn't like my humor overall the dialogue and stories they're just not sharp enough to go with the snappy stylized hyper violent technique that this goes for and i also think we'll get to some of the performances are are better than the material that was presented too many storylines if you're not trying to follow what's actually going on in the movie that probably won't be as bothersome you'll actually probably have a better time if you don't try and figure it out But if you are, you have to do some mental gymnastics to fully understand why everyone's there, what they're trying to do. The editing does not necessarily help you out. And Tyler, like you said, the momentum grinds to a halt at one point. And I knew that there was still more to come. And instead of being like, all right, I'm gearing up for what's next. I was like, like, please, please be over. You know what I I was thinking towards the end? was like there's multiple scenes from the trailer we haven't seen yet so there's still quite a bit to go <laughs> yeah also it you know it's i don't want to say formulaic because it's fun and it doesn't it doesn't feel formulaic mostly but you know that there's a big showdown coming in the end and i'm just like oh come on as far as the performances i don't know if these are good performances or 
if we're just kind of coasting on the charm of the stars that are in it because we like them. I think it might be a case-by-case basis. Brad Pitt is codenamed Ladybug in this. He is an assassin who we can gather had some anger issues in the past, but he's now back. He's more zen. He's more at peace. I thought he was good and enjoyable. The shtick went on a little too long. And what I found odd about Ladybug was that we get so many backstories, complicated histories of all the characters, and we just don't get as much about him, which is odd because the movie is so interested in like his peaceful, zen-changing psychology, and also the star is Brad Pitt, who you should just paste in every scene of the movie if you have him. Right, He can make any character interesting if you just like give him something to work with. And I don't think he was given very much. So, right, Do you guys agree or disagree? Are you saying pace him move every scene and have it be like a being John Malkovich type scenario? That would be fine by me. A Charlie Kaufman movie with Brad Pitt in it? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I want mm. out of Hollywood. Yeah, I don't. I, I didn't. Wasn't really into the whole I'm unlucky thing. Like, it, like you said, it just went on too long. And it, like, it would just randomly pop up, and you're like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Like, I forgot that was the whole shtick. No, see, yeah, I, it didn't really give him much. I, see, I'm I'm willing to disagree. I mean, I feel like the whole idea of fate and luck was kind of a through line for the most of the movie. I, I it never really lost me. I thought it, it was a pretty weak through line. I have to be honest. Me too, because I don't think the events really like gave that enough of a thing like the events were so not that great throughout the movie that i didn't think that line that like whole thing worked i don't maybe i didn't think about this enough but the thesis of fate seemed to be that events happening in the world converge which lead to more events which lead to more events was there something else that I was missing from what this movie was trying to say about fate? Because if not, then like I don't, you just kind of know that by living life. I don't I, think this movie had anything to add. I think it was that, and I think that would have worked better if it didn't. Like the way the movie ended, I'm not going to give spoilers, but like what what did fate do? Like it just was a kind of contained event, and like everything led up to this. What led up to what? Like now he's, there was nothing like gained from this. Yeah, I mean, it was. It wasn't like bothersome. Like I wasn't like, oh, this is terrible. But I'm like, I don't. In this I, movie no, that's already too works. long, you don't. You don't need to add it. Uh, but we we do have some cool other characters. Joey King was really good as the prince, right? She is. She pushes a young boy off a building, and then threatens his life because she wants her father, his father. Um, played by Andrew Koji, to kill another character. Yeah, am I correct in that? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I thought she was good, and, you know, it. it you kind of struggle a lot for a while to, like, figure out what she's actually doing. And the other thing with that was, I think Andrew Koji, as Yuichi in this, is very good, but he is so deadly serious that I feel like he's in a different movie from everybody else. I agree. Mm. It, it wasn't terrible, again, but it it was just like, it's 
this is a movie where like we're supposed to laugh at people bleeding out of their eyes and then we have this character who is like all bleak all nothing and i feel like it it the tone was not a justice to the performance that he was giving but i'll tell you who did feel like the stars and that was lemon and tangerine 100 percent. i was waiting I, i i was so excited for you to talk about them yeah so uh brian tyree henry is lemon and aaron Taylor johnson is tangerine they were the two that when they were on screen i'm like this is great i don't think that the lines they were given were quite as good as the performances that they were giving and also i was like i know brad pitt's name is centered on the movie poster i feel like they're the stars of the movie i feel like it should have revolved around them it could have it would have been a pretty good movie i wouldn't mind seeing a spinoff like of them because i I thought they they had really good chemistry if they took out the stupid thomas the tank engine stuff I would have agreed. Oh, that see, I, 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 I completely disagree. On that. <laughs> completely disagree. I, I thought the Thomas the Tank Engine stuff was was fun. It was cute, and then when they kind of elaborated on his obsession with it, like that, that struck me. I, I thought it was funny the first time, and then when they called every character a diesel about yep. ninety times, I was like, That's uh, okay. Where it lost me. <laughs> Yeah, we've had enough of this. I didn't think it was that much. It, it was quite a lot. They called they're, a lot of people scene, diesel. They're like, oh, you're a diesel. They uh, also we, called uh, them Percy's. And... Percy, listen, let me tell you something about Percy. Percy is a loyal friend and a hard worker, and he got mentioned once in this movie. All right? <laughs> I mean, he, he only had one sticker sheet. Come on, mention Percy more. Enough. Get stop giving attention to Diesel. That's why he you're reinforcing his bad behavior by giving him attention. Same issue with Andrew Koji. Not quite as much with Hiroyuki Sanada as the elder, as like the grandfather um, of that threatened boy. He is just such a cinematic presence that again he popped more than the script was allowing his character to. So I liked him a lot. Again, I don't think those characters are done very much justice. And then I want to hear how you guys felt about this. We get a couple of characters that like just come in randomly. And we get their backstory and stuff. But you're like, I don't know how they're totally related to the story. I'm referring here to The Wolf, played by Benito Martinez Ocasio, otherwise known as Bad Bunny. And Zazie Beats is the Hornet. How did you guys feel about that? I just felt like it was an extra plot line. I, I I liked it. I thought it was cool to see that kind of have like an open and shut case like in the movie as like a side. I I don't think they were that effective, to be honest. They just felt like weird cameos that felt like they were more important than they were. Um, I, I mean, when we hear, like, the reason, I get it, but I also just don't understand how uh, the wolf ended up attacking Brad Pitt's character, because he didn't know who he was, right? He was at the party. Yeah, but, yeah. like, I, I don't think he really even looked over when the guy, when he bumped into him, which, like, was the thing, he bumped into him. Why would he blame them for 
that he knew the Hornet was the one that killed him. Oh, I'm yeah, I was going to say, we're getting, getting kind of spoilery. Let me, let me bring that up later. Now, let's just do a spoiler warning now. There's a lot of complicated storylines. Here's the spoiler warning right now. If you're concerned about the 90 storylines in, in Bullet Train, please watch the movie. Then we will welcome you back with open arms. Spoiler warning. If you have not seen the following movie, please go watch that movie and come back or accept the consequences. Um, so, you're saying that the wolf knew that the hornet was the one who poisoned his family. Yes, because he had her picture, which is okay. how Brad Pitt found out who the wolf or who the hornet was. So why did he know? He just remembered Brad Pitt happened to be a waiter there. That was the implication yeah. was that he well, was a waiter that bumped into him, right? I mean, how does he how does he know that he's not in on it? So I. Matt, I think you have a point, and to your question, Tyler, I'm going to connect this on something that's going to seem like a digression, but it's not. One of the lines that annoyed me the most in this movie is when Lemon says to Ladybug, who does he say, oh, you look like every white homeless man I've ever seen? Brad Pitt does not look like every anything on the planet. He, he doesn't. Listen. I, I find that so <laughs> ridiculous. Listen, that's why they cast Ryan Gosling as the gray man, too. Yeah, because <laughs> nobody, because he's so undercover, because not everybody in a room's going to look his way because he's so beautiful. I, like, if he was just trying to get under his skin, okay. I, I It just seemed like a funny line that they're like, oh, that's funny, except we cast the most beautiful man on the planet. Uh, that just, like, annoyed me so much. So back to the wolf thing i guess i can see where you might remember brad pitt's face if you saw him once well yeah i mean if like brad pitt bumped into me i'd probably be like oh yeah that's brad pitt <laughs> in the universe i don't know if i'd remember that because immediately my next thought would be oh my god all my family is dying <laughs> like i wouldn't be like that waiter over there bumped into me <laughs> yeah i it, i will i will give you this and i mostly agree with you when he came on the train, when the wolf came on the train and like starts immediately attacking him and he's like, I'll never stop coming for you. I was like, I don't, what's the thread here? And it's, I, it never fully connected. So I thought the hornet, you know, the hornet and the wolf both basically have like one fight with Ladybug and then they both die. That's both their arcs. You're not going to hear me complain about Zazzy Beats being in a movie though. You won't hear me either, but... As, same, same with our other cameo that we get later. Well, it's kind of like your Patrick Stewart complaint with with uh, Multiverse of Madness, but we won't get into that. No, it's not the same. Not the it's same. A little, it's a little similar. No. Did, did Zazie Beats get the perfect send-off in a movie that already came out just to bring back for no reason? In The Joker. <laughs> Yeah, that's yes, the Joker connected to this. Did you guys think it was necessary to have this many storylines, this many backstories? Was that valuable to you? Uh, see, no. And the reason I think so is because of the exposition dump at the end where he just needed to tie the story all together. What a lazy way to tie a st like everything together other than just like the villain's monologue. I hate that. Let me also just say that Michael Shannon 
one of his one of the biggest wastes of Michael Shannon that I have seen in a movie. I I love Michael Shannon. Didn't really enjoy him in this. I thought the role was not no, like it was it, he just came in. He just came he in did. at the end. He just he was just there, and it's like I don't care about this guy. He wasn't in the rest of it. Like it was. Were you guys able to follow how everything was working out in this movie? I was. I kind of was when they explained everything. Well, that's what it was. Like, I was just kind of thinking this was a bunch of loose stuff, and they explained it. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, just did not land for me. Yeah. I, Which I is feel why like... I just did not like the third act. You like the first two thirds. Yeah, he does. I feel like it almost could have been helped by... Almost if there had been, like, more of a mystery to this. Like, a mystery that was trying to be figured out. I feel like that that could have helped. Um, but this... You know, you can either buy into this tone or not. We have, like, hyper-violence mixed with quippy humor that is mostly okay. But then it, it just didn't work for me when they expected us to be emotional at certain times. For instance, we get the death of Lemon, then the rebirth of Lemon, then the death of Tangerine. And, you know, I kind of felt it in those moments based purely on... The performances of Brian Tyree Henry and Aaron Taylor Johnson. But other than that, I'm like, oh, this is just so tonally. Like, three minutes ago, I was supposed to be laughing about somebody choking on their own blood. Now I'm supposed to be crying at somebody's death. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Although we did get the nice uh, foreshadowing when he's like, why would I wear a vest? Because if I get shot in the neck and then the opposite happens, he gets shot in the chest and then uh, Lemon gets, or Tangerine gets shot in the neck, so. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That was foreshadowing. I did very much admire the quiet car fight. Uh, I want to give it its props with that. Um, it did have the worst line in the entire movie, the homeless man line. But beyond that, it, it was really cool how it used the setting, you know, both both audibly and physically. And, you know, Henry and Pitt really sold the we need to stay quiet while we're punching each other in the face and and smacking each other and kicking each other in the crotch and that kind of stuff. So that was really cool. Yeah, that was probably my favorite bit. And the woman just leaning over and like, oh, sorry. Tyler, you mentioned the the woman that was telling them to shush during the quiet car fight. People are an odd... They're odd extras in this movie because this does take place on a train. So you would expect like a public response to what's going on. These yeah. assassins are mostly by themselves on the train. We get an explanation for that. The the white death says that he bought every ticket to the last stop, and I guess that kind of works for the last film for the last third of it, but in the beginning it was like I feel like there's not enough regular human interaction with what is going on on this, this train. This specifically that like fact that like no one's reacting to anything reminded me of like the john wick influence because in john wick 2 they're literally fighting on the streets of new york and people are just like not batting an eye and walking by like there's literally a scene the dumbest scene in all of john wick from all the movies where they're walking through grand central station i think it is firing pistols at each other like under their arms and no one is reacting even though bullets are like hitting next to them and stuff isn't that just a trope upstairs one no, that's, what is that in? What is, else has that ever been in? We're, Jurassic we're just World? walking through crowds shooting at each other. 
What? Jurassic World, they at least reacted. Oh, yeah, they reacted. Not I the mean, guy on the scooter. Yeah, that was just he one was trying year. to drive away. <laughs> but yeah, like that that reminded me of John Wick, which this guy also the director also worked on. Like, if you don't incorporate the public into the thing, if they're not gonna do anything, like Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Uh I think we'll be doing a, a full John Wick series episode when chapter four comes out. I believe it's coming out early next year. I'll have to double check that, but uh, is, is it called John Wick or is it called John Wick Chapter 4? I think it's just John Wick, which is confusing. Why? You're it's on the, the fourth movie and you're already It's not like titles. this series is that old. Yeah, it's not like you're rebooting it. It's literally just a direct sequel to a movie that came out like a couple years ago. It's a requel. Like Scream. Okay. I, I'm, I'm hoping it's or, Chapter 4. Or, <laughs> or Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No, let's not talk about that. There were a few elements here that were visually appealing, but were unnecessary and just took up screen time. One of which is like when Lemon and Tangerine are arguing about the number of guys that they killed on their way to the train. Sure, looked cool. Took up way too much time and added nothing to the story. That was also just a cutaway, a weird cutaway that they like never repeated that style of. No. (laughs) Also, the two is the snake. I mean, the snake kind of comes in, for, but for the amount of times that they show the snake slithering around, I expected it to be a bit of a bigger player than it ended up being. And the third thing was the water bottle. This is so late in the game when I'm already tired of this thing, and then they're like, Hey, let's just show that water bottles get from one place to another. Yeah, that was so dumb. They went back to, like, when he first bought it and stuff. Why? We don't care. Please. I mean, you, like, you can do that with any item. That's, again, it was, like, this idea of fate. It's, I just didn't find it sophisticated. It's like, oh, things start in one place and they end up in another. Well, well they couldn't. Yes. They, they couldn't have done it with the case. It would have been a lot of just sitting there waiting. <laughs> and so cut it out of the movie i don't need it also there were multiple instances in this of people just walking while really loud music played over them which is fine sometimes but when people are walking i personally don't need that to be slowed down and like i i don't know there it wasn't like you were revealing a character or anything like that so i, I wasn't a big fan of that either uh, white death let's talk about white death for a minute white death as as referred to as michael shannon's character he is upset about his wife's death so he gets all these assassins on board and hopes that they'll all kill each other and his son which uh, okay that was a fine enough reveal for me but it was it was an interesting screenplay move because this movie really loves gore and violence, right? It wants us to laugh and delight in that kind of thing. But in a movie where everybody is a violent assassin, like, how do you know where your loyalties lie? Okay, you cast Brad Pitt, you cast Brian Tyree Henry, but then I just feel like the movie was like, oh, we'll just make a meaner assassin. He'll be a badder assassin than the other ones, and then he'll be the villain. Which again, it was okay. It this movie is. I'm not. I apologize if I'm ragging on it too much, but this movie is fun enough until you like 
take a look at it for a minute and then you're like oh, i just i don't really understand this and the reason that i point these things out is because i thought it had more potential than this you know it was a cool style cool characters really great cast who are really firing on all cylinders as far as their performances but for a movie called bullet train i just i was not as riveted as i hoped to be tyler as our, our resident gun expert were you a fan of the roulette playing the russian roulette playing in this so i have one big gripe about that actually i wasn't gonna mention it but i'm glad you brought it up he closes the cylinder and then rolls it along his arm you can't do that once the cylinder's <laughs> locked in place it won't rotate so that was nonsense but, yeah, but it but looked, it looked cool. cool yeah but like also it's just dumb like it wasn't used for anything other than to be like it's fate that he didn't get shot it's really also he also can i oh, can go i just ahead, bring up a ahead, please one scene which they they i would have not minded if it was just kind of shown in the background but they show this weird thompson that's like cut down with a massive like scope on it and i'm like what the heck is that and then at the end uh, Joey King's character is holding it. And I'm like, what is that? Why are you putting this on the screen? Why is this a thing? Like, it looks so bad. Yeah, I. so I'm glad you brought that up because her character, and I have something to say about the roulette in a minute, but her character, for as good of a performance as she gives and as much as she was built up, it was an interesting reveal that she's the daughter of White Death and that like he, you know, he never thought she was that important or anything like that and then it just kind of fizzles and you're like okay and then they just have to make her bad in the very end she's threatening ladybug and then she gets run over and well I was like, she was bad from right. the beginning though she pushed the kid yeah, out the building was, she was bad but then her story just kind of fizzled they just had to like oh she's got to do something so she's gonna threaten ladybug and then get run over which I, yeah. I thought it was okay. I think all her story was was just to get the gun that ended up killing the White Death in his hands. Yeah. But and other than that, it could have been completely gone. Like the like you didn't need like even if you didn't push the boy off the roof, the fa- the grandfather would still be involved because his like every he killed his family. Yeah. The White Death. Yeah. So that's it true. just felt unnecessary. And then when they're playing roulette, he goes to shoot the elder. It's blank. And then, Tyler, correct me if I'm wrong, but we see that a bullet's in the chamber now. So theoretically, when he goes to shoot his own head, he should die, right? No, so when he shoots the first one, it's empty. Shoots the next one, it's empty. Then when he aims it back and he he cocks the hammer back, you see the bullet move into the... the Oh, it was after he... Oh, yeah, when he okay. points it, you could see it to the right of the barrel. When he pull, oh. when he cocks the hammer, then it gets moved into the barrel. So that was oh. actually correct. I can't. Oh, all right. I can't Fair wait till we have our in-depth analysis of the deer hunter. All this talk <laughs> will really come in handy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, how'd you guys react to the various deaths of Lemon and Tangerine? Lemon dies twice and then undies twice. Tangerine <laughs> dies and stays dead once. Was that emotionally affecting? I thought it was a a little goofy to have him undie for the sake of the plot. But it didn't bother me that much. Which time? 
Either time, I guess. I guess. I, I think the second one was terrible. The second one was stupid. I mean, the first one is all right. Yeah, the, the first one. Yeah, the first one was fine. Second one, yeah. I mean, I understand why it had to happen like that, but <laughs> I don't know if it did. I think it was, yeah. I don't really care who ran over the prince no, in the truck. Exactly. I mean, fate. I guess yeah, fate. Things happen that other things happen. Fate ran her over. I'm happy that Sandra Bullock got a paycheck to sit in a room and say some lines and then make an appearance for an hour and she then was leave. the strangest character because, like, was there supposed to be backstory there? Like, I didn't really Again, we, we don't know anything about Ladybug, and he's it's Brad Pitt. I, I don't I mean, understand if, if, this. Listen, though, if the Gray Man gets a sequel in a franchise, then this ought to. I, it, the, however mediocre the Gray Man is does not forgive the sins of of this and again i didn't dislike this i just i'm so baffled that you you cast one of the most bankable stars every other character gets a backstory and he does not other than he's got a new zen attitude well what i'm saying is you could easily have more movies with this character because they didn't give too much away for him do we need you more? Could. I, I, don't, I don't think I want to see another movie with this character. I, I'm down for it. I'm down for the Gray Man ones, to be honest. Like, Also, just a, this is just a completely random response or question, but what was the police response to this in this movie? One of them drove into the train for some <laughs> reason. And also, like, they just let Brad Pitt walk away. Like, like, this guy just came out of an exploding train where there's dead bodies everywhere. And they're just like, ah, he's probably not involved. Yeah, I don't know if there could be a sequel because I don't think these people are ever allowed on another train again. Not if that one, uh, not if that one ticket handler is on board. Yeah, that's true. That, that guy was a tyrant. Uh, I, you know, and then we get the mid-credits where Lemon runs over the prince because he tackled somebody outside of a window into a river and he's alive and whatever. That that was fine. I If there is a mid-credit scene or an end-credit scene to a movie, can we please just be told about it beforehand, please? I'm tired of, like, sitting there and then you run through, this... like, the animated credits and then nothing happens and you're like, oh, okay. This one was quick, at least. It was quick, but still. If you want me to know what happens, put it in the movie. What's funny, though, is we're so conditioned to wait for these post-credit scenes that an entire theater of people watching Marcel the Shell a couple weeks ago (laughs) just sat there. I was was going to mention that. We were entranced. (laughs) The, The issue with that was that they did, like, a brief snippet of something after... And then there was nothing else, and you're like, oh, "All right." That was we like, sat we there were for waiting two minutes. for the first person to make a move. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was something. We're still at that theater, actually. <laughs> yeah, we're recording from that theater. All right, do you guys have any final thoughts on Bullet Train? I liked it. I thought it was solid. It was one of my favorites of the year so far. Tyler, was it one of your favorites? No, not at all. The the middle of the pack. It was a tonally jarring at points and, like, just completely terrible third act that lost me. Yeah. I mean, overall, pretty fun for a lot of it, but 
Um, a bit of a disappointment from me. I was I was anticipating this one. Well, if you, the listener, have any thoughts on Bullet Train, Brad Pitt, any of that stuff, please write to us at silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com. Rate and review on your favorite podcast channel, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ScreensaversPod, and our Facebook is Silver Screen Savers Podcast. Matt, where can you be found online? You can find me over at MattyXSturds, S-T-U-R-D-Z. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Tyler. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Tyler Sutkus, and you can find me on Letterboxd at Tyler96. I can be found on Instagram and Twitter at Michael underscore Gallat and on Letterboxd at MGallat. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Silver Screen Savers podcast was co-created, written, hosted, and produced by Michael Gallat. Tower Sukkis and Matt Sturdivant, with additional editing by Matt Sturdivant, intro music by Charles Michelle via Pixabay, logo design by Nathan Seidel.